Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. You're listening to episode 55 of Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast about equipping and inspiring you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan. In a moment, we're going to be joined by our other host, Brandon Cunningham, and a special guest, Matt Miller, founder of School Spirit Vending and the School Zone podcast. Matt Miller used to serve in the United States Air Force, where he was a pilot for nine years. After the military, he worked in the medical and advertising fields and was a top performer. However, that suddenly came to an end. For the past 13 years, however, he has built a very successful franchising company that helps schools. And we're going to talk about that. So join us in this episode as we learn from Matt about his transition from the Air Force into the civilian life where he had a successful sales career, the event that brought that all crumbling down, and the years he spent bootstrapping his business to make it a successful franchising business that also supports local schools. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Here we are with uh, Beyond the Rut podcast. I still have Brandon. I haven't succeeded with that petition.org effort to take over the world by taking over his show. How you doing, Brandon? Pretty good. I'm thinking whoever wins in November, I may get a cabinet seat. So I may be leaving in in November. So I, I could possibly get the show to myself. (laughs) <laughs> All right. And as promised during the intro, we have the founder of School Zone Podcast, as well as the founder of School Spirit Vending, Matt Miller, calling us from just south of the Dallas Fort Worth area in Stephenville. Did I say that right? You got it, man. Awesome. Yeah. Brandon's nodding here. I'm like, dude, we're on a podcast. They, <laughs> they can't see you nod. <laughs> I have a thumbs up. <laughs> How are you doing, Matt? Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. We're glad you were able to make some time for us, too. The feelings mutual. Cool. Now, I always like to kick off our shows with a random icebreaker question. And unfortunately, you don't get the zombie apocalypse question because I already used that one up. And Brandon and I were talking about favorite movies, and he mentioned that one of his favorite movies is a Renee Zellweger movie called The Bridget Jones Diary. So our question to you is, what is your favorite Renee Zellweger film? Goodness, I didn't know that she made any more than that movie. Um, well, no, I, Said every no, guy actually, ever, right? Actually, she's making like Bridget Jones' baby or something now, yes. isn't she? Yes, my wife has already Some, told me something we're Something like that. <laughs> there you so, go. So I think I read that somewhere. So uh, I highly and am much anticipating that movie. <laughs> awesome. I said basically the same thing. I thought I can only think of that one, but I'm sure she's done many, many more. But uh, Jerry Maguire. Uh, oh yeah, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> there that, okay, there you go. That's that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Yeah, definitely yeah, claim my that one. I'm bad at remembering movie names. I'm bad at remembering who's in what movie. So I, I'm not that guy that does well at parties where trivial pursuit was being played or whatever. <laughs> I just I'm not wired that way, man. I've always thought the same thing. I would do so horrible at Jeopardy. I I just can't do that kind of stuff. There's a game called Seen It. It uh, puts movie that. clips on DVD. My family hates playing that with me because 
since I was a kid, I did nothing but watch movies and TV, <laughs> and I remembered all of it. And so they're like, they they call me the seen it bully. I'm like, no, that's not fair. I just remember lots of movies. So, so, so Jerry, you, are you the one that that can like quote? You know, we we say you know, pull out a movie out of thin air, and you can give twenty quotes from that movie. If I've verbatim. seen the, if I've seen the movie, yes. chances are yes. And yes, again. shamefully, okay. I'll admit, I used to be able to recite the entire movie of Spaceballs from yep. start to finish, <laughs> and and around the same time, the movie Aliens. So, uh, yeah, he, he will drop random. Uh, comment and then look at you like how do you not know that and most of them are from the sandlot too he likes to do the sandlot okay now eight now aliens though isn't the only thing that happens there is a bunch of alien noises and then sigourney weaver like crying and screaming i mean that one's got to be pretty easy to, Actually, to recite right she's pretty tough as nails in that movie yeah. uh it's um <laughs> the character Hudson, played by... See, uh, here he goes. <laughs> oh, I forgot his name. Bill Paxton. And he's like, that's it, man. Game over. What are we supposed to do now? And then uh, I forgot the other guy's name, but he's like, uh, his character's name's Burke. He's like, well, maybe we build a campfire, sing a couple of songs. It'll be fun. And they just got their butts kicked by the aliens. And I meant to like, email you, Matt, and say, don't go down this road. <laughs> Too late. Uh, <laughs> my bad. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandon, take it away. I was going to say, we, we, we didn't necessarily bring Matt on for his uh, movie trivia, but uh, Matt, you have just a great story of, you know, one of the things that we talk about on here a lot is people that just get beyond their comfort zone and, and break out of that, I can't do it, or I'm a failure, I'm never going to be able to do something great. And, and one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on because we heard your story and just said, we've got to share this with our audience because you took what was by, by most definitions, a bad spot and you turned it into something great. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in the vending uh, area and, and the expertise you really brought to the game to begin with. I started out uh, in the air force. I went to the air force Academy for college and was an air force pilot for nine years I learned along the way that I didn't like being told what to do. So the military really wasn't a good fit. Um, so, so when my commitment was up, I decided to enter the private sector and did some work, uh, in the corporate space, first in the medical device industry and then transitioned to advertising after about a year and a half out of the Air Force and was excited about my career. My first full year in the advertising space, I ended up being number two in the country out of 100, or excuse me, out of 750 reps, and just really felt like I found my niche and 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 was on top of the world. Well, my boss decided to ride my success into the next year, and every office was given a quota by the corporation, and and nine she increased my quota 96 percent. Wow. The average quota increase in the office was five to ten percent. <laughs> so overnight, I went from being a hero to a zero. Yep. And that decision cost my family about eighty thousand dollars in commissions and bonuses the next year. All of a sudden, I'm in a huge hole. Have no idea how to get out. I can look at the Q, uh, the comp plan and realize that there's no way for me to get out of it anytime soon. So I realized I needed to start doing some stuff on the side. And initially, it was literally anything that I could come up with to bring some more money in to, so that we could stay in the house we were in and, and keep feeding a family of five. I, I initially collected aluminum cans. I eventually changed to where I became an Amazon bookseller. 
uh, with Amazon and Alibris and Half.com and a bunch of online uh, book sites. And this is the how long was ago? I had read Robert Kiyos- <clears throat> Uh This was about 12 years ago. So you're about what age? See, I'm 49 now, so what's that, 37? 37? Okay. Yeah. And the, and the reason I wanted to point that out is because there's a lot of people listening going, well, you know, I don't really want to pick up cans. I don't want to. It's like we're talking about an Air Force officer who's made a bunch of money in advertising, has made really good money as a pilot flying planes, now picking up cans. And it all goes back to the point you do what you have to do to get where you want to go. You know, I, I always told people and my wife and we always joked about it. I never thought it would really happen, but you know, that I'd flip burgers for my dream if I needed to. And I didn't end up flipping burgers. You know, I, I did aluminum cans and whatnot. And then once our business got up and running, I actually delivered pizza for Pizza Hut at night to help get some seed capital to continue to grow our business. But I, yeah, yet you got to do what you got to do, right? And I've learned along the way that humility is important. I've learned that not to take myself too seriously and to realize that it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done in the past or whatever. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And it wasn't fun. It wasn't glamorous. <laughs> but I knew that I was better than the circumstances I was in at the time. So I just got busy doing whatever I had to do. The challenge was I had read Robert Kiyosaki's book around that time called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. In fact, anybody in the audience, if you haven't read it, as soon as this episode is over, you need to go to Amazon and download that book. Absolutely. Um, Anyway, he talks about passive income and making money while you sleep and not having to trade hours for dollars. And I bought into that whole idea. And so I set out trying to figure out how in the bad financial place we were in, I couldn't even afford to buy my own house, let alone have rental properties like <laughs> Kiyosaki talks about in his book. Right. I had a buddy of mine from church one Sunday mention he and his daughters had bought a couple of gumball machines. And it was something they were doing together. They were learning about business and making a little bit of money. And I remember that conversation and I was like, you know what? Gumballs are only a quarter and it's going to take a lot of them to get us out of the hole we're in. But the machine sells while I'm not there. Right. So that I can continue my career, keep doing what I need to do by day, but have these vending machines over time all over the place that are developing income for me without me having to be there. So I did some research, bought some ebooks online, found a used candy and gumball machine on eBay for 36 bucks because I had about $100 to invest to get this whole thing started. And I drove across Houston one Saturday morning in my 98 Honda Accord with my two oldest kids, and we picked up that machine. And the next Monday after work, I went out, started knocking on doors, trying to figure this whole vending thing out. A couple days later, I found my first location. It was a karate studio in town and built it from there. Fast forward about a year and a half. I now have about 120 locations. Every last bit of time, money, etc., went into me cobbling together this route of vending machines. Uh, right around that time was, you know, late 07, early 08. The markets tanked. People stopped frequenting a lot of the businesses that I had equipment and all of a sudden this income that was about twice my take-home pay from work dropped down to about equal to my take-home pay from work because of the economy. And I was frustrated. Right around that time, I had several young kids come knocking on my door, selling me stuff for the local school fundraiser. And I was like, you know, my teenage, there's no way I'd let them canvas the neighborhood, going to strangers' houses, selling stuff. 
And, you know, maybe in the schools would be the best place for me to figure out a way to do business because I don't have to worry about the economy. Little Johnny and little Susie are there five days a week, nine months out of the year. So that's where the whole idea of school spirit vending and custom stickers came from. Fast forward to today, we're in thousands of schools in about 36 states and are a franchise, believe it or not. I'm glad you fast forwarded through a lot of that because it gives a good perspective (laughs) on where you are now from where you were. The the little pieces of that, of you've got to do the little things. You've got to, you know, you bought the one machine for $36 off of eBay, and then you go door to door to to put it in uh, somebody's karate studio to just start. And you're thinking, well, you know, gumball's a quarter. What's go- I don't need four quarters. I need, you know, thousands of dollars to keep this thing running. But you took the little steps. And I think sometimes when we look at a situation like yours, we think, well, I'm so far away from him. But the important parts of this story are those little steps to get in one store, get a second vending machine, get a little ways, and then be prepared if the business does dry up. Like you said, no wait, when the economy tanked, you had to uh, pivot and figure out a different way. And that's whenever you came up with the idea of putting vending machines in schools. But you did it a little different. You didn't just put a bunch of Coke machines in school that people don't want. Tell us a little bit about how that decision and that idea kind of came about. Well, let me, let me touch back real quick on something that you mentioned. You know, guys, life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Right. There's no such thing as overnight success. It's a lie. <laughs> yeah. What? You know, we I'm have just to, kidding. <laughs> we, I'm sorry. Sorry, Jerry. Don't you know that? <laughs> that bubble just um, burst. Yeah. It, it's a lie. But we've got people selling us that story, selling us that lie every day. You know, I don't know if you guys have read the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, yeah. But he talks about, 10,000 hours to be great at anything. Guys, there's no shortcut to that. If you want to be great in something, if you want to be remembered for something, if you want to rise above, you have got to be willing to pay the price and put in the time. So get excited about your 10,000 hours instead of trying to figure out how to shortcut it because it's not going to happen. You got to be patient you got to be persistent and you got to be disciplined. I, I mean, I, I had to bootstrap this thing from the very beginning. Right. So as an example, when, when we started school spirit vending and this thing took off, I put in 75 schools in my 98 Honda Accord. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Wow. I could, I could, I could cram three of our vending machines taken apart in that car. It looked like a low rider. It was not good for the car, and I probably looked like an idiot. But you know what? That was the situation I was in. That was the only option that was responsible for me to take. It wasn't for me to go out and buy a van just because now I had a, a business. That you no, know, you, you yeah. figure it out. Yeah, and and you learn how to do with what you got, and you learn how to take a, a ne- another step every day. And if you're willing to do that. You look back a few years from now, like in my case, holy smokes, this guy was an overnight <laughs> success. No, yeah. 13 years to, to be in an overnight success. <laughs> yeah, because nobody saw you, know? you driving in that Honda Accord <clears throat> at night alone trying to find another place to put this vending machine. Nobody saw you at night in your garage, I assume, probably taking these things apart, cleaning them, trying to get them to work. That overnight were just nights nobody saw you. Right. The, the biggest disservice I think that our society makes today to people is, you know, we hear about LeBron James, you know, one of the greatest basketball players ever to play basketball. And we hear about his fancy cars and his, his championship rings and, and 
the house that he lives in and all that. But we don't hear about the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hours that LeBron was playing basketball when his buddies were out chasing the ladies or partying. We don't hear about that. All we hear about is where he is now. Everybody who has accomplished anything great has had a price to pay. And we just need to get excited about paying that price and excited about incremental success. That's such a good good analogy because – you know, when you're telling that story, you didn't focus on getting a van or a logo or business cards or, you know, all these other things. You just did the work. And then the rest of that came. And 13 years later, you're, you're a success. You're in all of these places. How did you go from uh, just regular vending machines to into the schools? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Well, like I said, I had those kids coming by, and uh, along the way, I had figured out that that selling stickers and temporary tattoos was kind of cool, and there was actually some pretty good money in it. A little side note, just to give you guys an idea how bad I had to bootstrap this thing. When I decided I was going to go into stickers, I found an eBay listing, a guy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was living in Houston at the time. He had two brand new sticker machines he was trying to sell. They had been in his warehouse for a while. He had bought them real cheap at a trade show and had never put them out on his route. Well, he was selling those two machines for 350 bucks. No shipping, obviously, because they're really, really heavy. (laughs) Well, I did some research and I found out that each of those machines brand new was worth at least $350. So I bought, I won his auction before I drove from Houston to Tulsa, which at the time was about a nine hour drive. I took the picture of the one that I didn't like the looks of as much. I created my own listing. I sold it to a guy (laughs) in Houston for $350. I got my first sticker machine ever, which is in a school today, by the, by the way, north of Fort Worth. I got that machine for free because I sold the other one to another guy in Houston <laughs> awesome. before I even drove to Tulsa to pick the two up. I didn't have any money. So I had to get really, 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 really creative. Like you said, it wasn't, it's not real flashy, not real glamorous or whatever, but you just got to do what you got to do. Once I realized that maybe the school environment was the place to go, Initially, we were thinking temporary tattoos and stickers for like high schools and junior highs for sporting events and all that. You guys know in Texas, I mean, football, it's just nuts this time of year. Right. Um, with High school people football attend football than they do church. <clears throat> well, that's sad, but <laughs> you're right. It's one of those stats I know, and it just breaks my heart, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I thought, okay, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to put these machines in the schools, and, and that's the direction we're going to take. Well, what we found out in our early testing was that the older kids didn't interact with our machines. So here I had this great idea and customization and this and that and everything, and it wasn't going to work. 
the younger kids and the PTA moms of those younger kids just got flat out excited about what we were doing. So we pivoted and we decided, okay, high school and junior high didn't work, but elementary does. That's where we're going to focus. And so we started figuring out how to spread the word. We did a test at a little school down in West Columbia, uh, Texas, about an hour and a half southwest of Fort Worth. A good buddy of mine was an elementary PE teacher there and got me in the school. We tested it for a few months, validated the concept, and then we went out trying to figure out how to put this thing in and eventually figured out how to reach the schools, you know, who to talk to and, and kind of taught us the whole school fundraising space and ended up going to our first trade show February of 08. So this coming February will be uh, nine years ago and got 10 schools out of that one trade show. Uh, we Prior to that, we just had the one test school. From there, we were off to the races. Well, then we started growing. Me and the guy who got me into his school and then another friend, Shane, out of San Antonio, we all had done some stuff together previously. So the three of us kind of got started. Well, we started having some success and people started talking. And then I started having other friends contact me and say, hey, I heard about what you guys are doing. I want to do what you do. So initially, we set up a distributorship and a licensing model where we would teach people how to do what we do in exchange for uh, a royalty and did that for seven and a half years. And about a year and a half ago, I had hired a business coach, a guy by the name of Aaron Walker, who's a good friend of Dave Ramsey. I'm sure you guys yeah. know who Dave is. Yeah. Um, anyway, I had hired him six months before. He and I were in the middle of my coaching session one week, and he said, you know what, Matt? I've been doing some research do you have any idea how many schools there are out there that you're not in yet? <laughs> and he said, the only reason why you're not is because they don't know who you are. If wow. I was you, I would get busy trying to figure out how to let them know who you are. That five minute conversation changed my entire level of inspiration, forced me to relook at my goals and where we were heading with this thing, uh, tried to figure out how to start to market in areas that we weren't because prior to that, it had just primarily been friends and family and word of mouth had been our expansion. And in consulting with my attorney, realized that in order to do business, especially in the Northeast and out West, where there's a lot more bureaucracy in a lot of those states, we really needed to be a franchise. So a year and a half ago, with no plans ever of doing anything even remotely <laughs> close to it, we started down that path of being a franchise, uh, became a franchise here about 14 months ago, and we are growing faster than we ever could have imagined. Our team uh, is on on track to grow over 100% this year alone. It, it's just crazy what what's happening. Who would have thought? from a gumball machine 12 years ago that all this would have transpired. But mm -hmm. it was a matter of just sticking with it, doing what I knew needed to be done to provide for my family, and then quite honestly, letting God show me the direction. You know, we've been blessed, and we are so excited. And today, it's not just about stickers and kids, but um, we're doing a lot of other things. In fact, our mission statement is, Funds for schools, freedom for families, change for kids. And the funds for schools is the obvious part. The freedom for families, meaning our franchise families, and showing them how to utilize our business 
in order to achieve some of their financial goals, dreams, and aspirations, and to teach their kids along the way, entrepreneurship as well. But then Change for Kids is not just providing them a sticker, but inspiring them along the way. And we do some very, very specific things with some of the products that we produce. Uh, we're starting to produce media to support the schools and, and help them in educating the kids. We're going to develop an entrepreneurship series starting this fall nice. where we're going to teach them behind the scenes of sticker man and sticker woman and teach them how we service and, and how we custom design stickers and how we print them and how we handle the money and all those kind of things in hopes that of the millions of kids that have exposure to our machines every day, that at least a small percentage of them are inspired by what we do and, uh, you know, that it, that it helps them along in their life as well. That's a great thing because, you know, I remember being in middle school, they taught us how to balance a checkbook. That was the extent, and I have a business degree, and that was still the extent of most of my education and entrepreneurship anyway. That's such a great aspect of your business. Go back a little bit of how do you support the schools financially too? Well, it's a, it's a revenue share. So they give us permission to come into the school and then a portion proceeds go to the school, um, for fundraising. So it's a win-win. We get a chance to set up business there. They, they get a chance to make, do some fundraising passively that doesn't require any volunteers. Which is no different from any other fundraising effort that a school does, right? Correct. Except now the kids don't have to go out into strange neighborhoods and right. go to strangers' houses. And it's funny you said that because like when, and my kids all but one of them are already out of school, but what they, I would do when they bring that stuff home, I'd just sit down and write out a check for $25 and say, here, take this back to your teacher because I don't want to buy wrapping paper. I don't want to buy that stuff and I don't want you selling it. So I'll just give you a check and we're done. And, and it right. just drove me crazy that these kids were out selling things. But I love the fact that you're doing that too, because as a taxpayer, it takes some of the burden off of me to support the schools. If, if they're building their own revenue streams and they don't have to take as much out of our pockets. Right. Well, my, my vision is to completely revolutionize the school fundraising industry in the next five to 10 years to where one day in the not too distant future, they can say, you know what? We're going to sign on with with the school spirit vending or whatever the stable of companies is called at that point in time. And we're going to come in and we're going to do this, 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 and this on your behalf. You guys don't have to do any work for that. Just allow us to come in and do our thing. We'll do the fundraising because that's our expertise. You guys spend your time educating the kids because that's your expertise. That is awesome. Now, if people want to find out more about it and maybe getting a franchise of their own, how do they get in contact with you? Guys, I wrote a show short ebook called live your dreams the top 10 reasons why you need to own a vending business and if you guys will allow i'd love to give away a copy to anybody in your audience who would like to have it it's a it's a short short little pamphlet you can download it uh, they can go to ssvbusiness.com forward slash beyond the rut and we've got a landing page set up specifically for your audience they can go download that for free if nothing else, they'll get some inspiration about what we do and, and maybe some insights into why vending might be a great addition to what they do currently. If they want to start a dialogue about the franchise or just about in vending, vending in general, I'd love to help out any way I can. And um, yeah, I hope it helps some folks. Great. Now, I know you've probably been asked this quite a bit, Matt. 
Are there any franchisees here in the Corpus Christi, Texas area? Actually, there are. Dang it! Ah. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, there are. <laughs> Where did Jerry go? Uh, are any one of them named Jerry Dugan? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since we started in Texas, Texas is completely spoken for and has been for a number of years. As so, it should be. Um, yeah. Now, of course, if you guys wanted, you know, to pick a a, a prime uh, vacation destination somewhere further north hey, that you, you did business in, and oh, by the way, had to travel there to vacation as well. I mean, there's a lot of spots available otherwise, but yeah. in Texas, we're full up, guys. Sorry. I was going to say, well, whoever the local person is, we'd love to have them on too. We'll get to talk to them too. If, if, if you want to put us in contact with them, we'll, we'll hook them up. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That would be that would be great. They're actually out of San Antonio, oh, okay. um, and come down come down and work that area uh, each month. So That's great. Well, I, thank you, Matt, for coming on and just sharing all this with us. I I hope our listeners got the the gist of the story. Is you do the little things, and I, I love the way you put it. Overnight success that took thirteen years of really hard work that nobody saw and. And you just have to do the work, and that's how you get there. And, and it was just a pleasure to have you on and, and to hear your story, and I hope it inspired people. Go to the website, download the book, and find out how you can change your family and change your school. Thanks, guys, and God bless you, man. Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the Rut. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and if you liked what you heard, share us with a family member, a friend, that neighbor across the street. If you want to reference any of the material or content we discussed in today's episode, you can go to our show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 055. Also, be sure to go to Matt Miller's website where he's set up a free download just for you. And that's available at ssvbusiness.com slash beyondtherut. We'll also have that link in our show notes for episode 55. Take care and live life beyond the rut. Everybody who has accomplished anything great has had a price to pay. And we just need to get excited about paying that price and excited about incremental success. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.